Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. First breaking news, Donald Trump is asking a judge to throw out the election subversion case against him in Georgia. The former president's legal team just filed a motion claiming presidential immunity, just like they have in other cases. CNN's Paula Reid has been going through the court filings. Paula, what's his reasoning for wanting immunity in this particular case? Well, Dana, this is all very familiar. The former president's lawyers arguing that presidential immunity should protect him from this sprawling RICO case down in Georgia. And that argument might sound familiar because it is the exact same argument they made in his federal election subversion case. And this question uh, of presidential immunity, this is going to be the focus of a much anticipated oral argument tomorrow before the D.C. Court of Appeals. Trump's even expected to attend. Now, in today's state filing, they're making many of the same arguments they've made in the past. They argue that in and around January 6th, Trump was acting in his official capacity as president. They argue that conversations he had with state officials about election proceedings, that that's all part of his official duties as president. And of course, they argue that because it was part of his official duties as president that he should be protected under presidential immunity. These are the same arguments they've made before in the federal case, but so far the courts have not seen it this way. This argument was dismissed at the district trial level here in Washington, D.C. His former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows has also argued similar issues and a court of appeals dismissed the idea that election related activities, that those are really part of his official federal duties. Now, this question about immunity, the extent to which the former president has any protections for his actions around January 6th, Dana, this is a question that could ultimately end up at the Supreme Court. Special counsel Jack Smith has already asked the high court once to just weigh in and settle this once and for all. They declined to do that. Instead, letting oral arguments go ahead in the Court of Appeals Whatever happens after these oral arguments or the Georgia case, it is highly likely that the justices will again be asked to weigh in on this. It's unclear if they're going to want to weigh in here. But one thing that is for sure is that by litigating this at the federal and state level, the former president has been at least successful in delaying his federal case Mm -hmm. and could be successful in delaying the state case as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously he would like immunity, but the short-term goal is to delay, 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 as you've been saying for quite some time. You mentioned that he is going to be in court tomorrow for an appeals court hearing. He has a, a pretty significant courtroom scheduled this week, the final week before the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, he sure does. I mean, we're seeing the intersection between the campaign events uh, and all these legal proceedings. This is something we've been talking about for quite some time. And tomorrow, arguably arguably constitutionally, the most consequential day, his lawyers and lawyers for the special counsel will argue before uh, an appellate panel about this issue of immunity. 
But Dana, even one of his former lawyers, Tim Parlatori, has told me on air, he just, he just doesn't expect him to win on the merits. But again, at the larger strategy, the broader strategy is at least to try to get that federal case delayed until after the November 2024 election. In some ways, they've already won. And then later this week, there will be closing arguments in another civil case that he faces up in New York. Now, there's no jail time on the line here. This is not a criminal case, but it's really personal for the former president. It's about his business, their ability to do business in the state of New York, potentially facing hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties. We've seen him show up to numerous proceedings in the course of that case. He's watched his children testify. Mm -hmm. It has been incredibly personal, a lot on the line for him. And that's that's just one week. It is just one week and many more to come that look a lot like what you just described. Thank you so much for that reporting, Paula. Now we go to Iowa, where the snow and frigid temperatures are complicating the candidate's final campaign push. Nikki Haley was just forced to cancel an event in Sioux City because of a storm. CNN's Eva McKend is in Des Moines. Eva. Yeah, good afternoon to you, Dana. You know, that is the big question ahead is how will these candidates, when will these candidates be able to get back out on the trail? Vivek Ramaswamy, he's forced to shift as well. He typically travels by private plane from event to event. He's doing a long uh, three-hour stretch just so he can make some of his events today and then holding a teletown hall on the campaign bus. Uh, but yes, this is a real concern for these candidates. As you know, they are trying to meet every voter, shake every hand in just the week that they have left. And uh, the looming storm is challenging that. They were out in full force over the weekend, though. What we're hearing from Governor DeSantis and Nikki Haley is them sharpening their attacks against former President Donald Trump. For his part, though, Trump really leaning on Iowans as well. Take a listen. For those that want me to hit Trump more, I just am not going to do it. I, I told you that I'm not going to do it. If he lies about me, I'll call him out on it. If he's done something wrong, whether it's the economy or how he talks about dictators and, and those things, I'll call him out on every one of those issues. But I just think politics is personal enough, and I think let's focus on the issues in getting America back on track. Don't go by the polls. The polls are that we're leading by so much. It's incredible. Nobody's ever seen numbers like this. But uh, we have to get out there. Every one of us have to get out there because it really sends a message for November. The main thing I got to ask you, look, we got to get out and vote because, you know, bad things happen when you sit back. What I'm worried about here is we have to just get out and uh, show the support. So you hear even Trump there telling Iowans to please get out and vote, despite the fact that frigid temperatures are expected next week during caucus day. You know, he lost in 2016 during the Iowa caucus to Ted Cruz. So every vote here, uh, every caucus goer truly counts, Dana. It sure does. Uh, Eva, thanks so much. I'll see you out there soon. Let's talk about all of this with our reporters here around the table. The Washington Post's Leanne Caldwell, CNN's Daniel Strauss, and Politico's Heidi Prisbola. Thank you so much for being here, one and all, one week to go till Iowa. Uh, I just think it's so fascinating what Eva just played from the former president. Uh, we're going to play a lot more from him later in the show, but just on this notion of expectations, of getting out the vote, slash caucus goers, um, you know, he understands that that winning could be losing depending on the margin for him.
Yeah, absolutely, especially when polls have shown him 30, 40, sometimes 50 points ahead in Iowa that if he loses by, a, if he wins by a very small margin, that shows that he is absolutely vulnerable. And that is what Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis is trying to do. They're not trying to win. They're trying to decrease the margin that they lose to Donald Trump. And the at the beginning of the campaign, even before Ron DeSantis was an official candidate for president, Trump and his allies really just destroyed him in TV ads. Absolutely, um, really, really tough. And didn't do much with regard to Nikki Haley. That has changed over the past week or so when it comes to ads. But because we actually saw him on the campaign trail this weekend, it was interesting to hear him, the candidate himself, talk about Nikki Haley on the stump. Let's listen to some of that. One of the biggest donors to Nikki Haley's super PAC is the same guy, Reed Hoffman. He's a ultra-left, rich guy, billionaire, who's one of the Democrat Party's uh, top funders. He's also a funder for Nikki Haley. How do you answer that, Nikki? They'll be indicted because they'll say she was having an affair or something. Nikki would sell you out just like she sold me out. I mean, I'll never run against him. He's a great president. Why would I run? Ladies and gentlemen, I've decided to run. You know, it's like after listening to that for two years. She came to Mar-a-Lago to see me, to inform me that she'll never run. What does that tell you? I mean, it tells us a few things, that um, Trump is engaging in the same attack line that Ron DeSantis is, which is that Haley is in the pocket of her donors. That is the argument that DeSantis has made, that Vivek Ramaswamy has made, and now Trump has made. And it also, uh, the clip you just played really underscores the uh, multiple attack routes Trump sees, that she can't be trusted, that uh, she's in the pocket of both Democratic-leaning donors and Republican donors, and that uh, in the end, she's not sort of the Trumpian uh, Republican that she may have portrayed herself as an, a member of Trump's administration. It, overall, it tells us that where before this campaign really kicked off, uh, Ron DeSantis was seen as the clear and present danger to the Trump team. Now that's Haley. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to Haley, you heard in Eva's report that uh, the former South Carolina governor was very clear to voters. Some people who don't like Trump and are looking at me might want me to to hit him more and I'm not going to do it. And that's pretty clear when you look at how she's spending her money in ads. Uh, uh, the last couple of ads, this is from her campaign. What she's talking about has to do with herself and the issues. Imagine a president with grit and grace, a different style, not a name from the past. Your family deserves a border secured, an economy restored, a nation respected. Nikki will keep the radical left from ruining our culture. She won't let boys play girls sports and she'll stop the assault on our values. Nikki's a sister in Christ. She has guts. Nikki Haley will make us proud. Yeah, obviously Trump now views her in, through the same lens that he viewed DeSantis all through the summer. Um, DeSantis has had stumbles. He blew a lot of his money in Iowa when people weren't paying attention. And now Nikki Haley is really in the contention for the strong second, because that's what we're talking about here in Iowa. But you know what this really reminds me of? Hmm. I, I think you ain't seen nothing yet. Because if you remember, Dana, we both covered the 2000 election with John McCain. And it wasn't until John McCain, who's being accused of some of the same things that Nikki Haley is, you know, not a real Republican. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until John McCain won New Hampshire 
that the real knives came out and it got really ugly. And that is before Trump era politics. We're already hearing some of that rhetoric from Trump now about Nikki Haley, like that she on, on immigration, for instance, it's very ever so slightly racially tinged. Uh, but if she wins New Hampshire, get ready for this to get very ugly. Yeah. And she's she's again right now not going there with how she's spending her money and she is spending a lot of money. Let's just look at what we uh, are seeing on the airwaves and on their phones and so forth. Ad spending in Iowa uh, ahead of the caucuses. Haley or pro Haley advertising over 35 million. Um, pro DeSantis is pretty close. 33 million pro Trump advertising 16 million. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, look, this is a, a candidate who initially was not the the um, the lead in terms of fundraising. This is a candidate who was sort of in the middle of the pack when this primary started, and now she's making a play for not the state that she apparently that she's regarded as needing the most uh, to sort of catapult her in contention. She's playing for she's going on offense here. Yeah. She's playing in Iowa, which is supposed to be DeSantis' state. And speaking of DeSantis, I'm glad you brought him up. We can't forget about him. He is still very much in contention in Iowa. Let's listen to what he said in Dubuque over the weekend. He's now running in 2024, promising to do the exact same thing he promised in 16 and didn't deliver on. And it's like, okay, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me for this. So with me, anytime I tell you I'm going to do something, I am going to follow through with it. He's going there on Trump. Yeah, he is. It might be a little too late for that, um, something that he resisted for quite a long time. Um, the, we're talking about money, we're talking about ads, we're talking about messaging, but something that's also going to be really critical is also the organization in yes. Iowa. Um, that is what matters. Caucuses are very organizational heavy. It matters. Donald Trump's campaign has had that infrastructure. They've done it before. Ron DeSantis has been investing there. Nikki Haley is kind of the more unknown quantity, um, but she now has the money in the late, you know, surge of her campaign. Um, it's also interesting that Donald Trump has spent just half of what the other candidates have yes. in Iowa on advertising, and he's still w winning by so much. He's the known quantity, obviously. We'll see, though. Five in the polls. Yeah. Yeah. See what happens. <laughs> but he does have more of an organization than he did uh, the last time around. A reminder. The CNN Republican presidential debate is set for Wednesday night. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis will face off at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. I will be moderating along with my colleague, Jake Tapper. Ahead, Donald Trump in his own words, the unvarnished Trump at the weekend rallies that he held in Iowa, including this take on the Civil War. It was just such a, you know, sort of a horrible time. But that's, I was thinking to myself, because I was uh, reading something, and I said, this is something that could have been negotiated. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff, and some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Insults, invective, and outright lies. That's what we heard from Donald Trump in Iowa this weekend. He held four events in the state ahead of the caucuses. He's got four more rallies planned there next weekend, and it's been a while since we heard this much from Trump on the trail. We want to give you a better sense of his rhetoric at these rallies. And we're going to start on Saturday in Newton, Iowa, where he brought up the Civil War. I love studying the, uh, if you take a look, I mean, the wars, I don't know what it is. The Civil War was so fascinating, so horrible, was so horrible, but so fascinating. It was, uh, I don't know, it was just different. I just find it, I'm so attracted to seeing it. So many mistakes were made. See, there was something I think could have been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think you could have negotiated that. All the people died. So many people died. I think it's, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Of course, if you negotiated it, you probably wouldn't even know who Abraham Lincoln was. Uh, he would have been president, but he would have been president. He would have been, he wouldn't have been the Abraham Lincoln. Would have been different, but that would have been okay. It's, uh, it would have been a, a thing that, and I, I know it very well, I know the whole process that they went through and they just couldn't get along and that would have been something that could have been negotiated and they wouldn't have had that problem, but it was a, tell, it was a hell of a time. How he would negotiate the end of slavery, what he considers negotiable there, he did not say. The former president also attacked E. Jean Carroll, the woman who Trump was found liable for defaming and sexually abusing. And if I didn't run, or if I was in fifth place or something, I would have had no indictments. This is all political stuff, including the women's stuff. The Bergdorf Goodman. I meet a woman outside of Bergdorf Goodman. I took her upstairs to a changing booth. It was all made up. And you know who's financing it? Reed Hoffman, their number one political donor. Reed Hoffman, big fat slob. And I, I never use the word fat, not even with Christie. In fact, with Christie, but this guy I'll call a fat slob. I met a woman in front of Bergdorf Goodman, took her up to a changing booth right outside where the cash register is. This is New York City. Why didn't you scream? Uh, I was in trauma. Again, a jury listened to her arguments in a court of law and decided that Donald Trump was liable. Trump also revived his mocking of the late John McCain for an injury McCain sustained from being beaten while he was a prisoner of war for five and a half years during the Vietnam War. We were going to fight for much better health care than Obamacare. Obamacare is a catastrophe. Nobody talks about it. You know, without John McCain, we would have had it done. But John McCain, for some reason, couldn't get his arm up that day. Remember, he goes that like that. That was the end of that. And here he is at two rallies talking about President Biden, who had a well-known stuttering problem when he was younger. Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic 
fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, he's a threat to democracy. I'm a threat. <laughs> They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. He's a threat to de de democracy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't read the word. He says, I'm a dictator. It's so insulting. You know, actually, it's insulting. But he's a, a threat, you know, they call, he's a threat to the, to, he doesn't even know what the word means. He's a threat to democracy. Define democracy, Joe. Uh, are the, that's not a fair question. No, the guy can't find steps to a platform. He makes a speech, he can never find the damn steps. Look, there's steps, there's steps. Or you jump out the front if you have to. You can't do that, you have to leave. You know, when you make a speech, his speeches last about three minutes, you know why? Because he runs out of fuel. He runs out of fuel. The fuel doesn't last very long. And this is Trump repeating his praise for the authoritarian ruler of China, Xi Jinping. Somebody asked me, uh, is President Xi of China? Now, he controls 1.4 billion people ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. No games, right? They said, is President Xi of China a brilliant man? I said, yes, he is. He's a brilliant man. Next day, they Trump said President Xi is brilliant. I said, yeah, I did. They want me to say, no, he's not a very smart guy. You know, he just runs 1.4 billion people with an iron fist. And he spent time at multiple rallies downplaying the insurrection on January 6, 2021, defending those who rioted, defiled the Capitol, and tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power. They ought to release the J6 hostages. They've suffered enough. They ought to release them. I call them hostages. Some people call them prisoners. I call them hostages. Release the J6 hostages, Joe. Release them, Joe. You can do it real easy, Joe. This guy, what he's done, what he's done to people. And Antifa knocks the hell out of Portland takes over parts of Seattle, destroys Minneapolis. If I didn't send in the soldiers, Minneapolis, you wouldn't even have Minneapolis, right? The whole thing is just very unfair. But those J6 hostages going to jail for 20 years and 18 years and 12, doctors, lawyers, carpenters, electricians, truck drivers, it's, it's one of the saddest things. It'll go down as one of the saddest things in the history of our country. And they went there to protest a rigged election. And now when the facts are in, they, now they see it is a rigged election. You saw the numbers come out last week. It was a rigged election. And those people have to be, many of them, I guess there's some. By the way, there was Antifa and there was FBI. There were a lot of other people there too, leading the charge, leading the charge. They were not the FBI. There is no evidence of that. What the evidence shows, what we all saw with our own eyes, which you can see on the screen right now, people egged on by Donald Trump to falsely believe the election was stolen. And they are not hostages. We all know too well what hostages are. Hostages are hundreds of people brutally taken from Israel into Gaza on October 7th. At least eight Americans are still hostages. Those who are in American prisons for storming the Capitol are there because they were convicted in courts of law or will get due process and no amount of rebranding will change the facts. 
We're standing by for a speech from President Biden in South Carolina. We're going to go live to Charleston next. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. President Biden is set to speak soon from the historic Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. You're looking at uh, James Clyburn, uh, the uh, leader, former leader in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, He is introducing the president, so we're going to watch and listen for that, which uh, should happen momentarily. Of course, we should remind our viewers that this is where Nine congregants were killed in 2015 in a massacre by a white supremacist. And let's talk as we uh, as we wait for President Biden to start speaking and discuss the fact that he is he the president last week gave a big speech on democracy. Uh, Today he is going down to commemorate what happened again almost a decade ago and to talk about extremism, to talk about hate and to uh, obviously court black voters. Yeah, first of all, I can't believe that was a decade ago. Nine years. Um, Really incredible, Uh, but absolutely. South Carolina is the first voting state uh, for Democrats. Well, New Hampshire defied um, Democrats' rules and is going first, but um, President Biden knows that, well, first of all, I'd say this is very important to him personally, of mm-hmm. course, but also President Biden knows that black voters are also critical um, to his reelection. Um, there has been polling that has showed that black voters are not as engaged or excited about President Biden. And it also plays into an issue that President Biden has focused on as well with little results is also gun violence, mm. um, something that Congress has been unable to solve. Um, so this is an issue, of course, that is important to President Biden, but is also important politically, too. Yeah. And uh, James Clyburn, who, again, uh, is, is speaking now, he was on with Jake Tapper yesterday on State of the Union. Uh, Clyburn, for those who don't remember, kind of single-handedly resurrected Joe yeah. Biden's political career before the South Carolina primary four years ago, endorsed him and helped get him elected. And then uh, Biden never looked back. Uh, Clyburn talked to Jake about his concerns with the Biden reelection campaign. I have no problem with the Biden administration and what it has done. My problem is that we have not been able to break through uh, that MAGA wall in order to get to people exactly what this president has done. So this president is keeping his promises, but keep, people keep focusing on the one or two things he did not get accomplished. 
You always got to give it to Congressman Clyburn. You always know where he stands. Yeah. And like you said, there there are only a few lawmakers who Joe Biden owes his career as much to as James Clyburn. The other would probably be former President Barack Obama. And both Obama himself, in a recent Washington Post story, and Clyburn on air have said have expressed concerns about how or whether this Biden reelect campaign is breaking through to voters. I can't think of anyone else that uh, Biden himself or Biden high command would be more receptive to than those two. And so it's a sign that uh, Democratic concerns aren't just uh, sort of hyperventilating, as some Democrats have said about the reelect, that there, there are serious reasons that there might need to be a course correction on the Biden campaign at this point in the cycle. It's a test case. He doesn't need South Carolina. He's the nominee, but it's a test case for whether he can get some of those black voters back. And I do say back with numbers because the percentages show that he's slid uh, with black voters since the last election. Um, and on, your, on the point though about course correction, I talked to some Biden folks earlier this morning and they are over the moon that after that first democracy speech, mm -hmm. they raised $1 million. They said that is a very good sign that this new framework that the Biden campaign is gonna be using um, is going to be very effective, especially when, look at what happened today, we're cutting between uh, Donald Trump talking about civil war, uh, using the words hostages to describe the January 6th uh, rioters, and that that is going to be the juxtaposition now that's just naturally going to unfold during the campaign is that it really is about a choice between democracy and potentially autocracy and a more authoritarian type tilt in this country. Let's look at uh, what Quentin Folks, who is the number two at the Biden campaign, said uh, to CNN and a piece for CNN.com. We're not going to wait and parachute into these communities the last minute and ask, ask them for their vote. We're going to earn their vote. Voters of color are the ones who have the most at stake in this election, and we need to make sure that every single one of them understands the choice in front of them. Yeah, I mean, so one thing, one important element to this plan is also Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, the Biden campaign has been intentional and think that Harris going, especially into black communities, is going to be really critical um, for the campaign uh, leading into the reelection. But President Biden has a lot of work to do on a lot of demographics. And um, that goes to what your point was, is that um, people are worried that maybe that a course correction, in your words, might be necessary. They might need an, another influencer, too, other than Clyburn, to speak to the younger black generation. Well, it was very effective last time. When you talk about demographics, there's a lot of overlap there between younger voters and black voters, and you put them together, that's like exactly where his problem spot is. Yeah. And I Go ahead, Dan. If you ask most Democrats, you'll, you'll hear them say that the concern is not a, a big migration to Trump. It is complacency. It is mm -hmm. that exactly. these key interest groups are going to stay at home. And that is the real worry among the Biden campaign right now, that if they do not remind these voters that propelled Biden in 2020 to come out and vote, that this is not a sure thing, they will stay home okay. and Hillary, the outcome... Yeah, the outcome will be very different. Well, Charlemagne the God, who we all know was a big supporter of, uh, Don, of Joe Biden four years ago, is now saying that he's concerned that if the choice is between Biden and Trump, uh, that the option is to stay home and that he suspects the couch.
could win. And that's exactly what they're trying to uh, to try to avoid with this speech, aside from the obvious, which is this is a very important topic that he that is very personal to him. And we are waiting for the president to speak there in Charleston, South Carolina. We're going to take a quick break and hear from him probably on the other side. And we couldn't get the 60 votes. We want to get straight to President Biden speaking at the Mother Emanuel AME Church Thank in you. South Carolina. Let's listen. I rest my case. Thank you, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's going to go to my head. Please. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.